Why say something in three words when you can use a hundred? <laughs> Some people think I'm a Bravo pro, but I'm really a Bravo con. Yours was good. Mine was so bad. No, mine was so bad. No, mine was so bad. I was literally like, oh, my God, this is not one of my best. I didn't think that was one of my best either. Should we both do a a takeover? (laughs) A do-over? Do we deserve a do-over? I can't think of one. Wait, should we do it? This would be the first time ever. Should we improv one? Um. I've done over 300 taglines. I can't think of it. Can you write one for me? What's one for me that talks about how pretty I am and how wonderful and single? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, I am not in the closet. It's a (laughs) clawfist. Thank you. Wow. Love Sarah Galley. I don't know. That was just off the top of my head. Also, not my best work. Not my best work. Not my best work, but I can tell you this is going to be an incredible episode. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I truly have no idea, go fuck yourself. Um, The third or 80th time I've said go fuck yourself today. (laughs) So like truly, truly living my best life. But you know what? I'm here with one of my favorite guests and I'm so excited to talk. You know him as founder and president of the Real Housewives Institute and author of the New York Times bestseller, The Housewives. The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives, which P.S. is available on Kindle right now for $2.99. That's like a fourth of a coffee in New York City. My God. Welcome back, Brian James Moylan. Thank you. I mean, Susie (laughs) Orman would tell you not to buy my book and that you could afford retirement. That's how cheap it is. But. You know what? Susie Orman probably wouldn't support a clothis being built when I have literally no financial support or what freedom. So what does she know? Nothing. Literally. Has Susie Orman watched Beverly Hills? Does she no. have thoughts? I bet she on does. Potomac? I bet Susie Orman is friends with Captain Sandy. I bet that is something that is true. Wait, you know what would actually be incredible? Shout out if you guys um, are an ally to the Susie Orman movement of it all, where I guess people like save or whatever, and we don't lease cars. I All I remember on Oprah is Susie Orman would yell at people when they said that they leased, or wait, or maybe she supported the leasing of cars. She, I think she something supports car the talk. leasing of cars, but not the renting of houses. If I remember okay. correctly, but this was a long time ago. I would love to watch Housewives with Susie Orman and like right? be like, Susie Orman, look at PK and Dorit. Tell us what is happening. <laughs> look I at mean... Gina Kirschenheider. Tell us what is happening. Like, I want to know. Susie Orman, what are your thoughts on Erica Jane continuing to wear those diamond earrings? Or Jen Shaw continuing <laughs> to hire a glam squad. <laughs> Why does it have to be one? Why can't it be all is what I want to know. <laughs> You're giving me a face. <laughs> this is going to be chaotic. I'm so excited. Brian Moylan, listen, we saw each other for two seconds at BravoCon. You I should know. carry that shame for the rest of your life. I saw you when I was firmly ensconced in my seat during the great Beverly Hills panel <laughs> melee of 2022. 
and oh I was God. so like I was like talking to you but like editors were texting me because they were seeing like tweets about how awful it was and so I'm trying to like talk to you and be in the room and talk to editors and it was just like awful and then I saw you with Pet Shop Boy walking down yes, the hallway and we had a little like walk and talk together like we were on an Aaron Sorkin show about losers <laughs> into reality television <laughs> And uh, yeah, that was it. And I was so sad because I was like, oh my God, I'll see Sarah. We'll hang. We'll sit in some panels together. No, it didn't work out that way. But I had a busy BravoCon. I was, I, the only reason I was in town was because I was in town for a friend's wedding in Staten Island. Mm. And so mm. Saturday I had to leave early to go to Staten Island. But she did use the same makeup artist as Teresa Giudice <sighs> did at her wedding. So there was at least a housewives connection. Did you get a chance to catch up with said makeup artist and get an inside peek into what we're going to see on Teresa's spinoff? I did not. I think she was gone by the time I arrived, but I did take a picture, you know, in the like Bravo museum, they had the thing where you could put your face in Teresa's wedding. And so I took my picture there and I texted to her as she was getting ready, (laughs) ready for her wedding. And I was like, this is you IRL said. (laughs) Did she respond? And she was like, that's hilarious. And then she sent a picture of the makeup and she's like, is this two housewives? I was like, no, you look amazing. She did look amazing. Can I just say one of the most awkward but also LOL moments from BravoCon? There were so many incredible moments. But when Jen Aiden was talking about being present at Teresa's wedding and how when she walked out, like, Teresa took everyone's breath away. And obviously, Jen, with, you know, well-meaning, intended for it to be like, and she was so beautiful, but everybody in the audience started laughing because we were all thinking about her hair. And Jen was like trying to be like no no she looked really beautiful and everyone was laughing which is the problem with having a live audience people react but girl we find out how the fans really feel i mean laughing at Teresa, booing lisa rinna yes so i was invited to host a panel wonder of wonder miracle of miracles god took a tailor by the hand and uh, <laughs> why am I quoting Fiddler on the Roof? I don't know. So it's perfect um, way to do so. Yeah. On my continue. panel, uh, Shep Rose was like, I don't have any enemies on the show. And the whole audience at once went, Taylor. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bitch, Taylor. I mean, I would argue that Shep's biggest enemy is himself. I mean, also that, but yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your panel. Who was on it? What was the theme? And how do you think that it went? So the theme was Bravo to Bravo. And Ooh, love. And it was uh, Josh Altman from Million Dollar Listing, Naomi and Shep from uh, Southern Charm, Southern Charm, Lindsay Hubbard from Summer House, uh, Toya from Married to Medicine, mm. Daisy from Below Deck Med, and Gigi from Shots of Sunset. Wow. And everybody was super nice, very profesh. Um, and I think I didn't see, they did some, one or two of these a day, like over the course of the weekend with the like non-housewives, mm-hmm. like Bravo people. And I didn't go to any of the other ones, but I did go to some of the ones where it was like random groupings of housewives. Like they did like East yes. Coast versus West Coast and stuff like that. 
And so my goal was to try to get them like talking to each other about stuff. And so I was like, oh, Josh Altman, like Lindsay and Carl are engaged. Like, should they buy in the Hamptons or should they buy in New York? And Lindsay was like, that is a great question that I want to know the answer to that. And so then he's like <laughs> talking to her about real estate. And so I was trying to get everybody in. And then I was like trying to cut jokes and be funny, make it fun. I mostly just picked on Shep Rose and um, I apologize afterwards. I was like, thank you for being the butt of my jokes. And he was like, I, I get it. I'm very make fun of all. And I was like, <laughs> you are, <laughs> as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, so he was like really cool about it. So yeah, I thought it went great. Um, I had a really good time doing it and it was fun, but it was a little challenging because the people weren't in, it had like, had, hadn't really met before. Um, you know, like Josh Altman knew Gigi from LA and like Chef and Naomi knew Lindsay from Summer House and stuff. But like, it's not like everybody was real aware of each other. So I think that was a little bit of a challenge, but I still think it was a pretty good time, I hope. Were you recognized by Bravo Lebs? I mean, you're certainly known by the Bravo community. I'm sure you had fans coming up to you throughout your time at BravoCon and well-deserved, but were you also spotted by... Bravo Lebs outside of the panel that you moderated? Well, first of all, the hilarious thing was my husband was joking that me at BravoCon is like the scene in Soap Dish where Sally Field goes to the mall <laughs> because she wants like people to to like know who she is. So and, into like, that. That was totally me. And then people kept coming up to me and, you know, I'd hear them say, Brian, can I take a picture? It's so nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And we take a picture and they go, I love your podcast. And I was like, and people kept saying that. I was like, nobody huh. listened to 12 Gays of Christmas, my podcast where I asked gays about their Christmas movies. Like, what are they talking about? And finally, I was like, but I don't have a podcast. And they were like, are you Ryan Bailey? And <gasps> so Ryan Bailey is some other gentleman of Irish descent with brown <laughs> hair and a mustache. And I get the resemblance. Oh my God. But so I don't know how many people are like, look, I took a picture with Ryan Bailey and they really took a picture with Brian Moylan. But then I ran into Ryan Bailey and we took a picture together because he said the same thing kept happening to him. So I, I didn't feel like it was a one-sided, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, uh, no, I think that if Bravo celebrities know my name, I don't know that they know my face. Because uh, usually huh. they... Um, will read the stuff on Vulture or wherever. And I don't know that they like follow me on social media. I know a handful of them do like Sonia knows who I am. Jackie from New Jersey knows who I am. Kelly Dodd, um, you know, like I've met like a handful of them over the years, but nobody who was there. And also I feel like they were keeping the Bravo lebs away from the rabble much more this yes. time than mm -hmm. last time. And I did sneak into the SVIP lounge. I don't know if, if you did such a thing, but they were- I didn't even try. I didn't even try. <laughs> well, they were using it as sort of like a green room for the Bravo Lebs. And so while mm -hmm. I was in there, like Shep was in there, Austin was in there, Luke and Sierra, Kenya Moore was in there, Heather Gay. So they were kind of like when people had a little bit in between, they were bringing them in there and they were all very nice. And like the fan, you know, there was only ever maybe like 30 to 50 fans in there. And they like 
were nice to everybody and took pictures and like whatever. But again, it was like if you want to see the Bravo Labs, you had to pay. It was like twenty five hundred dollars, you know, with all yeah. the fees and whatever, like for that ticket yeah. for the weekend. So. One of my favorite things was um, there were so few bathrooms, as I know you've experienced, yes. that even Larsa Pippen had to wait in the bathroom line. And so Larsa Pippen, Larsa Pippen is in line for the toilet and everyone's coming up to her like, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? And Larsa's just sitting there waiting for the toilet, like taking pictures with people. <laughs> Without a handler? She was just riding she solo? Was, yeah, she was just like there to pee. And I was like, don't they have a toilet backstage? <laughs> but there was Larsa peeing away. And also, um, somebody told me they spotted some of the real girlfriends of Paris, like walking around BravoCon, oh. completely unrecognized and unmolested. <laughs> oh, no. I haven't watched a single second of it. I mean, and I, I love Paris too, but... Yeah, but girl, when I'm getting more heat at BravoCon than you, your shit is busted. <laughs> I've heard from so many people who love that show, but it is also an LOL. That's a, that's a first season non-Housewives moment. That's a first season non-Housewives moment. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. Just because you have a show on Bravo doesn't mean everybody's watching. But I even saw Chef Dave from the current season of Below Deck Med, like wandering around by himself. And I was like, ooh, who's that? He's hot. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's on below deck. And yeah, he was just like wow. wandering by himself and, you know, yeah. And surviving. And I mean, surviving. Because I also saw Captain Lee on the back of a golf cart. And <laughs> there were people like running behind running. it, like trying to like tear Captain Lee limb from limb. Like it was insane. <gasps> Oh, I love us so much. I just love the energy. It, like, obviously, there were complications, yada, yada. But, like, just the vibe. Like, the fact that we all understand. Like, I, much respect for the people chasing Captain Lee yeah. on a golf cart. Like, I get it. I 100% understand. Yes. And, like, I'm not, I'm not judging you or disdaining you. I'm No, like, we celebrate you. We celebrate you getting in those steps. Good on you. I him. will say, like... Some of the pictures people were trying to take were definitely going to be shitty pictures and they should have just spent their time trying to take in the moment. Um, mm, slight counter. I have an eight plus iPhone and I am not afraid to say that all of my photos were like a mess when I tried to selfie. I do have literally four selfies with Garcelle and no one will ever see them. <laughs> so while you're totally right, it's like, you got to try, you got to try, but no one will ever see those. Not once, not so ever. Did you wait in line to take pictures with anybody? Uh, I waited in no lines because honestly, who had the time for that when you had to wait in line for panels for an hour and a half with the hopes that you were like spooning with someone on a third of a seat? Um, yeah. But I did get a photo. I mean, the line was one person in front of me both times because I went back for more. I did get a photo with Chris Manzo, which was oh, mm -hmm. very near and dear and to our heart. Very near and dear to my heart. I have a literal pillow of him on the other chair in the cloth that I could try to get without you seeing the entirety of my boobs. Apologies to you for not getting that. Moment. I mean, I'll show you after. I can't reach it. But, I love um, a boob. So, so do worried. I. And they're good. You're welcome in advance. But um, yeah, I was with Bravo Betch and they have video of 
the moment when I like am in prayer hands before I turn to meet Chris and Manzo and when we told Al uh, sorry before I went to meet Chris and Manzo before I went to meet Chris Manzo and when we told Albie to step aside because I just wanted I saw that on the social media and I loved it um yeah I didn't I I if people asked to take a picture I took pictures but I didn't try to get my picture with anybody I mean if yeah I had run into Kyle Cook, maybe. I did take some creep shots of Kyle Cook when he was in his booth at Loverboy, like taking pictures of him. I was like, I'm not waiting in the Loverboy line to take a picture with Kyle Cook. That's not, I love him to death, but That's my love does happen. no bounds and that is it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, um, speaking of love, sort of, kind of, maybe, uh, was there, if there, if Bravo had said to you, Mr. President, Dame Brian Moylan, you can pick any panel to moderate this entire weekend, either one that existed or one that you create. Is there a dream situation for you? Safe space, no wrong answer. Um, I would say either some the Summer House panel or mm. what I love are the ones they do with the producers because I'm like really yes. into that shit of like, how did this get made? What are you guys doing? How has this been changed? Like, what didn't we see? So on and so forth. I would love either of those. Or yesterday I was actually fantasizing that I had my own Ask Andy, but I got to ask Ooh. Andy like anything. Just like anything I want, and Andy had to answer. And I think that would be like amazing. What would you have asked? Can we get oh a little Oh my sampling? God, like all sorts of like gross sex stuff. Like all sorts of stuff <laughs> oh about- Oh Brian. Um, all sorts of uh, like, you know, was Carol Radziwill fired or did she leave? You know, did Carol Radziwill really have a ghostwriter? Um, you know, just all the shit that we are always like, what is up with that? We're producers involved. Like, why did you fire Monique? That was stupid. Um, why don't we have an all gay show on Bravo? Uh, mm. You know, I would ask about Ramona and the racism. I would ask mm. about why they have cut ties with Jen Shaw for pleading guilty, but they did not cut ties with Tracy Giudice for pleading guilty. Um, you know, I would have lots of those kinds of questions skirting back to the Monique of it all I believe that she was offered another contract she was she just decided to leave the show I think she's in that very very small club specific to housewives of housewives who decided to leave on their own without getting the heave ho I I think firmly believe that is a club of two Who do you think is the second one? Heather Thompson? No, I think it's Bethany the first time and Mimi the first time. And that's it. Everyone else I think has been fired. What? I don't think that because Andy himself has said that Heather Thompson was like in the small group. And I think Lydia McLaughlin the first time left on her own. Not that anybody was like crying about it. But I think that there have been more cases, but just a very, very, very small list. But like Kristen Takeman says she left of her own will. No, I mean... Well, yeah. they all say that. They That's all part say of the that. fun. Yeah. That's part of the fun that they're leaving to go explore other work opportunities or whatever. Right. And they're so thankful. And it's it's honestly the gift that Bravo gives them is yes. like a part of the, you know, exit say, package. And I right. have way more respect for the ones who are like, I was fired. Like Tamara. She's like, I got the boot. Listen, not that I'm going to say anything nice about trigger warning baby carrots, Teddy Joe Mellencamp, 
But Teddy Joe did also say yeah, I was fired. I and that was the only thing she's ever said in her life that I was like, okay, respect. And she and her new neck have been clawing their way back ever since. She is unrecognizable. Which, God bless, do whatever you want. But I, I literally get confused when I see new Teddy. I don't know which story I hate more. And I see them both frequently. It's a... Teddy Mellencamp plastic surgery reveal or mm. a Bron Bronwyn Wyndham Burke new girlfriend reveal. Those are like the, <sighs> or a Megan King Edmonds. I'm having the best sex of my life with a new guy reveal. Like those it's like every week on page six, you get one of those three and it's just over and over and over and over again. I don't disagree but i do love megan king edmund oh, i love I that she's too. like finding herself i do and she has so much mess how is she mm. not back how is she not back how is she not back like yeah you like married and divorced the president's nephew in the course of like six months like and the cameras weren't rolling listen I know it probably wouldn't have been possible even if she was still in the cast at that point. But can you imagine if we got like a mid-season trailer and it's Joe fucking Biden showing up with like a wrapped gift from Tiff being like, Megan, it's so good to see you again, except we've never actually met. Um, mazel tov to my nephew. I mean, that would have been iconic. Just like. I'm sure he wouldn't have been on the show, but just the footage of fucking yes, the helicopter landing service. at the wedding. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he did sort of feature in previous Housewife seasons when Mikhail and Tarek said hi on DC. So why That's not? True. Complete. Fill that circle out. Let's see that happen. Full circle on a moment more positive for Joe note. Biden. <laughs> he needs the press. So there we go. And I mean, <laughs> Megan King Edmonds does not get the respect she is due for one yeah. of the greatest reveals of all time on the show, which is that Brooks does not have cancer, um, which is a storyline Mia might have watched <laughs> before she started this season of Potomac. <laughs> I have to say that I keep thinking about Megan King Edmonds, the talent, the skill, the courage, the whatever, the intelligence, the whatever else, <laughs> while watching Potomac, while acknowledging that the women in Potomac did over the course of essentially half of an episode what it took the majority of a season of Orange County plus several years <laughs> to discuss, which is like point blank. Do you have cancer? I'm confused by what you're saying, which shows you how fucking talented and incredible Potomac is. Oh, my God, bitch. Real Housewives <laughs> of Orange County is like sitting around talking about it. And the Real Housewives of Potomac are showing up at your house dressed as a pizza delivery man with a fucking fake pizza. Like they're doing the work. They're delivering. They're here for us. It is amazing. And I love them. I, I totally agree. And I have to say that so much of what is so fucking annoying about the storytelling on Beverly Hills 
to me, and I've heard this from AGs too and from people that I've been talking to about the issues with BH, to me stems from the fact that so much of what we're supposed to care about, so much of the stakes on Beverly Hills is from stuff that happened on camera or on social media. Off and how camera. Right. A hundred yes. Oh, did I say on camera? Oh my yeah. God, guys, brain moment. Um, off camera and on social media. Yes, you're a hundred percent correct. And like, regardless of how high the stakes are between sisters fighting and w- what has happened on uh, these episodes and even what we're watching on social media in the last couple days alone, obviously there are high stakes there, but we're not seeing that through the storytelling. We're not watching what is, we're not watching that literally occur. So when I turn off Beverly Hills and I turn on Potomac, it's like, such a breath of fresh air because these women are saying the things that we're thinking that we also know they're thinking versus Beverly Hills where they may be thinking the thing, but they're not necessarily going to say it out loud. They're going to hope we understand. Yes. Well, and that's what I've always said about Beverly Hills is they, none of them want to get dirty. None of them want to like sully their image. And that's why they're spending half a season fighting about Crystal and whether or not she was violated or whether or not it was dark or whatever. And that that's just like, so they can fight about Crystal's bullshit so they don't have to talk about their own bullshit. And like, you know, I think that that is kind of shady. Whereas on Potomac, yeah, they're like, we're going to get right into it. And that's why it, but that's why it was really interesting to me when Candy Ace was like, <laughs> yeah. this is not going to be my husband. And like went on her. I have a lot of questions about this whole scenario, but Please. especially Candace's fourth wall breaking moment. And then her being like, leave all the fourth wall in. Like, I want to see it all. And like, is this too breaking the fourth wall? Is it just enough? Are we glad we saw that? Like, would it matter to the story if we had or had not seen that? Like, what are you thinking about the whole thing? I'm thinking, can I staple this to my body and wear it instead of clothes for the rest of my life? I literally, I watched Potomac twice. I literally wrote down what she said, which is probably wrong because of my brain, but something along the lines of like, where's Eric? I need Eric. We see yeah. the scene with Eric in the um bathroom. Who was at the, the Potomac panel <gasps> at BravoCon. And they were like, we couldn't make the show without Eric, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, okay, got it. Now I know why. Did he reference at all what was to come? No, he was sitting there like in because I, I was in the front row with the press and he was like Chris Bassett and Eddie and a couple <laughs> other the husbands were in the audience and he was sitting with them like kind of, you know, five people down for me. So he didn't say anything. Wow. He was just there. But they were all like, oh, Eric, we see you like a mm-hmm. round of applause for Eric. And now I get it, girl. They do need that, Eric. Uh, They absolutely do. I believe this was Candace's direct quote. I could be wrong. Don't cut out none of my fourth wall. None of it. I want all of it in there. Has there been a more powerful statement on Housewives of late than Candace saying, I'm not going to participate in this. I am going to make my producer. And by make, I mean like absolutely 
nothing but respect come into the scene knowing that this is being filmed with the chance that it might be included and then say you better fucking include this I think that was such an iconic moment that skips ahead of like literal seasons on other franchises most people would wait until the reunion talking to press back in the day old school writing a blog about it on right. bravotv.com the after show on youtube whispers on you know doing interviews and whatever else and candace was like here's the problem here you guys think that and by you guys i mean maybe not even necessarily production because chris has since said on social he doesn't think production was involved he thinks it was just giselle which i do want to get your thoughts on so just remember that for seconds yeah the fact that she was like i'm taking control and ownership of this this is not gonna be what the season is about was to me an iconic move and i thought she did it really well i agree i i hate candace more than any other housewife i agree with everything you're saying however i do think it's a little unfair in that all the housewives eventually have to deal with some shit and this is like the price you have to pay and Candace has talked some shit in her day about like craziness. And so for her to be like, oh, I'm not doing what I made you all go through, I think is a little too facey. But don't you think that she's still actively doing this as a housewife? She's not. It, they they included the footage. Surely she understood the footage was going to be included. She, in fact, asked for it. It's she can't stop the narrative necessarily taking place, not without a lawyer like some other housewives have done, right. but she can push back. Why, why no, can't no, she, why I can't her narrative I think, be? I think that, uh, no, I, I concede that point, but I just think that like, did we need all that backstage intrigue for her to just be like, I'm shutting the storyline down when there have been plenty of people who wanted to shut storylines down, but you know, didn't go to that extreme that Candace went to. But that said, I also think all they have on Chris is fucking bullshit. Like, in that he responded innocently to Ashley's mm -hmm. story and was like, oh, you shouldn't come to the W. Like, come hang out at my spot. Like, I don't Where think... Where I work. Yeah. Like, I don't think he was at all trying to whatever. Totally. And I think Giselle's, I was uncomfortable. Like, okay, maybe you're uncomfortable, sure. But this also seems like bullshit. Like, all the charges against Chris seem totally trumped up and insane to me. And that they're, well... like, willfully misinterpreting these things to give themselves a storyline. So maybe good on Candace for doing it and being like, I know there's nothing here. Fuck you guys. So I'm I mean, there was no better example of like there's probably not here here when Mia said he was staring at me and we got the edit of Chris. The lower third was like literally Chris not looking at Mia. I yeah. mean, right. Hi. Yes. Hi. Like, I mean, Chris is a lot of things, but he does not strike me as somebody who is trying to diddle someone else on the show um any of that well I also think there are layers to this because you don't necessarily need to have the idea or intention to make someone to cross lines physically as Michael Darby has done repeatedly versus being in an environment that's maybe not like a great idea but I don't know that Chris is responsible 
for Giselle's discomfort, which is a separate conversation from was Giselle genuinely uncomfortable? And the fact that she did say something to Robin right after it happened off camera makes me think that regardless of how people feel about her saying it on camera without a heads up to Candace, which is also sort of part of her job, um, there is to me a sense that she did feel uncomfortable. However, that being said, which I think Candace also acknowledged, Chris also acknowledged, and they did so, I think, with a lot of, like, even before Candace, like, went to find Eric. Like, I thought the way that Candace initially received it was responsible. I actually thought the editing around all of this was, like, very responsible, more responsible than stuff we've seen on other franchises or even in explanations of, like, Ashley at a reunion past uh, sort of blaming the victim for Michael's uh, in- inappropriate um, behavior. But all that being said, like, I don't know that Chris has to be held responsible for Giselle feeling uncomfortable, noting that he could maybe say, like, I'm sorry if you were in any way uncomfortable. I wonder if that would put it to bed you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, no, don't I, I, I don't know. I completely agree with you because I think that he really handled it perfectly when he, you know, there at lunch and he was like, listen, you know, I don't know. She might've been uncomfortable. You know, I didn't pick that up, but like both he and Giselle acknowledged like Giselle was kind of like, Oh, l- well let's go see. Some-. Like Giselle felt uncomfortable, got herself out of the situation. Chris allowed her to, you know what I mean? Like he never tried to keep her there. He never tried to like go the extra mile. Like, I don't know what else Chris could have done, except maybe be more aware that being in a room alone with a woman when he was drunk might make that woman uncomfortable. Which is why I actually thought that Robin, and I don't mean to say actually, except to say like, yeah, actually, I think the show handled this in a way that was responsible by um, showing the necessary moments between Robin and Candace and Chris and Karen, I thought was so key here in saying to Giselle, yes. like you, ha- what in whatever language, I'm going to fuck this up and apologies, but like you have the right to own your feelings and yes. have them. But his intention, you guys are friends. His intention was seemingly not to make you uncomfortable or to create an environment where there's like a sexual undercurrent here. And I think that's the divide is like Giselle might be uncomfortable with the level of intimacy in having a conversation with doors open, but privately with this man who she considered a friend, but is also the husband of a cast member versus Chris, who's maybe only looking at it in terms of like, this is a friend and I need to vent. And it's that undercurrent of like, there was a intention here that had something to do with like something else or something romantic or something flirtatious. That's really, really fucking this up. Yeah. And this, I think, and the way Karen handled it, I think was such a good way especially after what we saw on this season of Beverly Hills and the reunion where the women spent a whole season telling Crystal how she should or could feel about something where Mm. it's like, you know, they were always like, Oh, well you shouldn't have felt violated. You shouldn't have. Oh, well it couldn't have been that dark if you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and that's what 
Crystal was trying to say, it's like, I felt that way and that is real. And like, regardless of how you would have reacted or what you think is whatever, like my feelings are real and you should treat them as such. They're valid. That Karen was like, if you felt uncomfortable, like I get it, but also I don't know that this is what that is, which is with what I wish Kyle and company mm. would have said rather than like, you weren't violated. You can't possibly be violated. That doesn't qualify violation. And it's like, well, it did to me, bitch. So yeah. And Kyle doesn't say it, didn't say it because she doesn't believe it. She still does not understand no. the de- the actual literal definition of violation. And she's so focused on a misunderstanding that she has set that she's using it as an example of someone's nefarious intent, which is yes. incredibly problematic. No. And I also, yes. And I also think that um, Crystal was right when she said to Kyle, like, you're never going to get this because I think that like as a woman of color, especially in this group and, and she's constantly having her being told how she can and can't act, how she should and shouldn't Mm -hmm. feel. And, you know, with the exception of Garcelle, no one else is treated that way. So then it's like, yeah. But, um, so I was happy to see, uh, Karen acknowledging Giselle's feelings, even though I'm a little like, really, Giselle, come on. Um, speaking of Karen acknowledging Giselle's feelings, yeah. I assume that at some point we're going to find out this information. But which husband three years ago was inappropriate physically with Karen? I would like to know who the fuck that was. Well, who are our candidates? Three years ago, I, I I actually was like, how how could it not be Michael? Like, it's yeah. not gonna be I I Chris Samuels. I, no way. And it's like she acknowledged that somebody was drinking too much. And I'm sorry, the only person that I can think of in that moment who has such a long list of crossing boundaries, specifically with people seemingly reveling in the fact that he doesn't have their consent, is Michael Darby. I have two problems with that hypothesis. Okay. The, the first of which is <laughs> Karen Huger is not a man. <laughs> um, True. The second of which is why wouldn't she just say it was Michael Darby? Like she's getting divorced from him. Everyone knows he's a fucking groper. But like I agree with you. Like who else would it be? It would not be Juan Dixon. It wouldn't be Eddie. Um, Sharice wasn't married. Who else was on the show? Uh, Giselle's ex-husband hadn't come back at that point. Yeah. And I don't know that. Yeah. And I a hundred percent believe that it happened by the way. I just want to know who it was. I agree. Yes. And, but also like kind of props on Karen for not telling us, but also like, (laughs) um, I have to say, I don't know what it is, but like, she needs to be in my top five. I don't understand when I watch Housewives why Karen Huger isn't in my top five. And I think a part of it is because, like, to me, she exists in a universe in which there is no one else with her. Like, I don't I honestly almost feel weird about having her with other people in my top five because I'm like, she is so 
individual to me and has become so even better with time. What's Ramona's fucking tagline? Like age, I like wine. I only get yeah, better yeah, with yeah. whatever the fuck she fucked it up, which was the joke. But like with Karen, I feel like my devotion to her and respect of her has only grown stronger with time. She is phenomenal. I agree with all of that. And I feel the same way about Giselle which I know may be controversial mm. for some, but what mm -hmm. I love about the two of them, and this is what I always say about the show, is that theirs is a true rivalry of equals. Yes. Like, yes. they are both great. They are both shady. They're both funny. They're both amazing. And that they have each other to play off of just makes them both so much stronger. It's like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. You know what I mean? It's mm. just like bringing out the best in each other. And that's why I love them. And that's also why I love Robin because Robin and Giselle, I could watch all day. And when this, when the first, the very beginning of this season of Potomac, where uh -huh. it was Ashley, Robin, Karen, and Giselle, like having lunch in a park, I was really stoned mm -hmm. when I watched it, but I was, I almost cried. I was like, it doesn't get better than this. Like, this is amazing. Like, these are the best that we have. They, like, get along, but they're shady, but they, like, have so much history together. And I was like, this is what Housewives is all about. I love you forever. I do have to just add a little asterisk, not to your <laughs> point, which I agree with, but to the fact that I put up an hour and a half long Patreon episode last night answering like every question that came to me about BravoCon and talking about some stuff related to Beverly Hills. But I went through like every question, a literal hour and a half long episode. And one of the incredible questions that would send to me via IG was like, who who were your BravoCon MVPs? And I just think the entirety of the Salt Lake City panel, oh Dr. Contessa yes. on Married to Medicine was giving daytime talk show host superstar. She was incredible. Who is it? But I all Dr. Contessa oh, okay. on yeah, the, yeah. during the Married to Med panel was phenomenal. Um, but I also realized after I put up the episode, you know who really and also like who was surprising to me, like really, really killed it as a surprising MVP. And I was like, you know who did a fucking great job during the Potomac panel? I thought Candace did really well. But Robin, to me, was yes. like calling out bullshit and telling people they weren't answering questions and holding people accountable not because she was like performing as a housewife, but because she really wanted to know. Yes. And I think that that's just Robin. And that is yes. always like the best is when you get somebody who is really authentic. And since we're talking about BravoCon MB MVPs, I would like mm. to point out that the only person who I saw in a different outfit every time I saw her on a panel was Garcelle Beauvais. Candace. Oh. Did Candace change? I mean, she had this like incredible like pop star. Yes, it was either the, lavender or hot pink with the with the hair and the sunglasses, which yes. was amazing. I don't think I saw that on her. Oh, oh, that's a good point. Oh, I didn't even. You know what? I didn't even think about that. Because most of the other people, it's like you see them again and they're wearing the same thing. But yeah. Garcelle, every time you saw her, she had on a new outfit, and I was like, that is a professional. <laughs> I mean, she is, you guys, I talked about her on the Patreon bonus app, which you can listen to now, patreon.com slash Girls. She really, she just seems like even more of an angel sent from heaven above, seeing her IRL 
my god. Yeah, she had. I have always liked her, but this past season, and especially this reunion, she has really, mm-hmm. you know, risen in the ranks. I just wish she wasn't friends with Sutton because I hate Sutton so much. <laughs> that's, okay, we'll get that's into not that. My we'll only get into problem with Garcelle. Maybe not is, today. <laughs> is that? Yeah, but anyway. Um, can I circle back though to Potomac, the space in which yeah. I want to live for the rest of my life? Do you think that this situation with Chris is going to lead to cracks in the foundation between the green eyed bandits as Karen um discussed during her confessional in the last episode? No, I think that I don't uh, it's tough. I think it would be very hard to get to a Bethany and Jill, Lindsay and Danielle place for mm. the Green Eyed Bandits. Like, I think they might disagree on this, but I just think that they're so tight and such real friends and have so much in common that eventually they'll find their way back to each other. At least I hope so. And, but, but, yes. And this is what to me makes Potomac the best and the most interesting is that. The dynamics are always shifting. They're always like we just saw on this past episode. It's like all of a sudden Robin and Wendy hate each other. And you're like, okay. Mm. And now Robin and Giselle are having a little thing. And now, you know, Robin and Mia are getting along. And so it's always like changing, changing, changing. Whereas on Beverly Hills, it's always, as I call them, the get along gang. As other call them, the Fox Force Five. It's like we're protecting each other. Like we're together and everybody else is on the outside. And it's just the same fight over and over and over and over again. Whereas on Potomac, it's like always mixing it up. Like nobody's ever safe. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. 
The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Well, I Totally agree with that. And I also think on Beverly Hills, there's the idea that if you disagree with someone, you're no longer their friend. Yes. Not only are you no longer your friend, but you yourself are a bad friend versus Potomac, where we see women disagreeing with each other, which doesn't remove the foundation of respect. The foundation of respect, in fact, demands that if you feel a certain way, you express it to your friend because you respect not only them enough to say something, but also yourself. Yeah, and the other people in your group, i.e. your job. But even when you, when they were dealing with the Monique Candace fight and they all had, they all sat down to like talk about it and they all had differing opinions upon like where they should go, what they should do next, how they should all feel about it. They were still able to come out of that like as a group. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what I have always loved about the Potomac ladies is that, you know, it's not quite like Atlanta where they're at dinner screaming at each other and the next morning they're like friends again. But like you said, there's always that respect. There's always them like coming back together as a group. And um, 
I, I think that that is what makes it so good and why you've had a core four on since the very beginning. It reminds me almost less of Atlanta and more of the best years of New York. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. Um, noting that I am always right. Someone save that and put that up as a reel on loop. Um, uh, I want to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Um, I do want to shift gears a little bit, but staying on the idea of friendship and fracture. Yeah. With everything going on in Salt Lake City, where do you currently stand? How are you understanding? For example, what is taking place with Heather and Whitney? What's your reaction to in what terms we're seeing of like pan what out? we've seen on the show, or in terms of like what we know the aftermath is from like Ultimate Girls Trip and BravoCon? Well, I think that they're connected. I think we're watching a fracture play out that, according to Whitney or Heather at BravoCon, seemed to sort of dissipate a little during um, Girls Trip and is now as bad as it's ever been, as we noted during the Salt Lake City, you know, War of the Roses, aka Snowflakes and whatever else. Like, how were you, what was your reaction to the most recent fight and the argument and what appears to be the beginning of the fracture of their relationship as seen on Salt Lake? I think it's insane. And as I was mm-hmm. watching it with my husband, um, uh, we, I was behind on Salt Lake because of BravoCon and whatever. I don't recap yeah. it. And so sometimes I get, a, you know, sometimes I have we other love, shit to love. do other than watch Housewives. Yes. So we watched like a couple episodes together on Saturday. And then there was that scene where Whitney is like, why wouldn't you back me up at dinner? And and Heather's like, back you up with, because you were saying lies about Lisa, like fucking people for Utah jazz tickets. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like how... The best housewife sites fights their sides and like both are right and both are wrong. Like a Bethany Carroll, mm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. or uh, Teresa Melissa, you know what I mean? It's like I can see how Melissa's right, I can see how Teresa's right, I can see how Melissa's wrong, I can see how Teresa's wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting because you can debate about it. Like, how is Whitney right in this when she was like? I want to spread a rumor that Lisa Barlow is fucking dudes for jazz tickets and you won't help me. Like, that's insane to me. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so, and like Heather has always been the voice of reason, big fan favorite, you know, woman of the people. And so for Mm -hmm. Whitney to go up against that seems like crazy. And so I don't know if there's going to be a lot of other stuff because of this, but the genesis of the fight seems nonsensical to me okay i hear you i know that you're probably right and i know that the when i posted stuff on social media because i was like i need to get a sense of what the folks are feeling about this yeah the vast majority are in support of heather gay in this argument and i get that i understand that you guys and this is a safe hashtag safe space I think that a part of what Whitney was trying to communicate was the fact that Heather was present for the conversation and heard what was taking place. Heather said, I absolutely was not. Go fuck yourself. And then later, and again, I might be getting this wrong, and I'm going to 100% blame it on my brain episode in May. I believe that what Heather said was, and if I heard it, essentially, 
I decided to disregard that memory, which I think opens the door just a little, just a scooch, just a little ajar to the idea that maybe she did hear it after all. Maybe she did hear it, but I think, but if I were Heather, I think that that's (laughs) the right thing to say is, oh yeah, I heard it, but I think that's crazy. Like, and I'm not, and I wasn't going to repeat it. And now you did. And yeah, I heard it, but you're, this is nuts. I don't think Lisa is sleeping with people for Utah Jazz tickets. I mean, a gordita (laughs) crunch? Maybe. (laughs) But jazz tickets? Doesn't sound like our Lisa Barlow, does it? It really doesn't. And it pains me to see my queen. I am unabashedly a hashtag barho and I love her so much. And I love that she just did SpawnCon on Instagram for Wendy's French toast sticks or something. I was yes. like, this is an iconic moment in culture. But um, all that being said, there were like a couple and again, hashtag safe space. And I know that I'm in the uh, minority on this. And like, I have no problem with that. And I like I acknowledge this is very complicated and I get how other people are feeling. But also in conversation, Heather was like, you made this trip unfun when she was talking about Whitney bringing up the rumors, which she's not wrong. But she also then included Whitney discussing her childhood trauma and abuse and conflating those two as not being fun and shouldn't have been discussed was like, ooh, maybe not a great call on Um, Heather's part. And also it was like, you upset Jen, who just pled guilty to defrauding people of their life savings and is going to prison for a decade. This was supposed to be her fun time. And it's like, uh, okay. Fuck you. Yeah, like I that I get that I totally get. But I think that Whitney bringing this stuff up about Lisa and Meredith, like kind of co-signing it by not saying anything. Mm. Things in Salt Lake are getting too dark. And my biggest problem with the season I thought was going to be Jen Shaw saying she's innocent for 20 episodes when we know she pled guilty but yeah, now mm. it's Whitney and this like journey she's on. And I like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I am extremely here for the fact that Jen Shaw, that it's, I thought the feeling I was going to feel was like repulsion and anger about Jen, about knowing the ending to the story and how that affects the entirety of how we view Jen. Yeah. And instead it's like, they're giving us so much with other stuff that I am kind of charmed. I'm like, great. This is great. Let's keep doing this. You're, Let's no, keep doing you're right. This Cause if we just had Jen all season, right. it would be like, oh my God. So yeah. It's like, if Jen was the Lucy, Lucy, apple juicy, I would be like, mm call me when season four is on. But yeah, mm-hmm. that there is all this other stuff. I mean, I think is good, but it's getting too fractured. It's like none of them like each other. None of them seem to want to spend any time with each other. It's like, so why are you here? Like, why are we doing this? You know, I don't know. How much of that though, do you think was influenced by the Salt Lake panel versus what we're watching pan out? Um, I think some of it was the Salt Lake panel. So maybe I'll, I'm going to give the season. I mean, I'm going to keep watching the season. Let's, you know, obviously perfectly honest here. I mean, come on. Do you think if you were the Dark Lord Andy Cohen or 
Mm. The, uh, or if you were Fran Barrick, the real person who's in charge of Bravo. Um, <laughs> Ow! Shots um, fired. I mean, so I just got back on Bravo's good side. It's never happening again. again. It's never oh happening so, again. The one Brian Moylan thing I did at BravoCon was um, <laughs> at one point during the day on Friday, there was okay. nobody at Dr. Wendy Acefo's booth. And so <gasps> it was just like empty. And she had like no, no merch there. There was just like a sign hanging behind it with like her book on it. And that was like always oh. being used for because she had like another table with like only home essentials. And then there Ooh. was like a separate one, like for her, whatever, but nobody was Ooh. sitting there. Nothing was happening, oh whatever. And so I was, I had a stack of books with me and I was like, I'm going to do no. a book signing. And I just sat at the table and plopped a pile of books on the table. Brian, James And I sat Moylan. there with my hands folded for like 10, 15 minutes. Nobody came by. And then Jennifer Aiden was at the booth next to me. And she showed up at the booth with like a throng of fans. And then I was like, oh, nobody's messing with me. So I like called an end to my gorilla book signing at, <laughs> <laughs> at a booth oh. I did not pay for. My God, you know, I didn't even really truly wander into the Bravo Bazaar. It was too big. And I was like, I'm not, I know I'm not buying anything. So like, what's the point here? You didn't buy anything? Not even I did gifts? not buy a single thing. No, nor, nor did I in 2019. And I brought my own food. <laughs> <laughs> that was wise. I should have brought my own food. Girl, all I ate was laced potato chips, which are delicious, I might add. Thank you to BravoCon for reminding me. If there is anybody from Lay's HQ listening to this episode, number one, do an ad. Number one. Number two, send me some fucking chips. I didn't have a single chip. I didn't have a single Lay's chip. I had other chips, but I did not have a single Lay's chip. The only Lay's chips that I believe were available had dairy in them. Were like sour cream and onion or whatever. I want Lay's classic. Lay's, if you are listening, send this bitch some fucking plain ass vegan-y you Send know, Lay's chips. Some fucking Lay's, bitch. I want to get laid. <laughs> As you should. Um, I mean. But why was I telling this story? Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Because I was making fun of Andy Cohen because I was going to oh, right, ask right, right. you. So you're in charge of Bravo. Yeah. yeah Do you film Jen Shaw on the reunion before she goes to prison or is she now done? Oh, my God. Okay. Here is the problem. Here is the problem. Is that. The conver- oh, I'm so glad you asked. Do you see I'm settling into my body at this point? <laughs> I can see her shifting in the cloth. I'm getting shifting. Ready. I'm like, things are happening. I'm, st- I'm limber now. Um, here is the problem. Here is the confusion over that question. Is that prior to watching the Salt Lake City panel, I would say to myself, well, if she's not there, it's not going to be good content. She is needed for the content, putting aside questions of morality and anything else. And having since seen the Salt Lake City panel, which was to me impeccable and a <laughs> literal reunion episode, guys, 100%. and I have video literally right out of the gate. We were screaming our f- it was literally like if an audience of however many people were in a literal I can't say literal enough reunion taping it was so good and so hot and so tense that now to me the idea of Jen being there well is that going to 
approach the drama? Is Jen actually even putting aside the legal stuff? Is she a barrier to having exciting conversations taking place? Because she's going to want to insert herself in ways that feel for the story false. Yes. So I don't have an answer because I it's like I feel like I know too much having seen Salt Lake. I do think she should be a part of this in some way. And it wouldn't make sense to bring her out as like a friend of because right. she's literally not. I don't, though, know how to resolve it. But she should be. I don't know if Andy's doing is going to do some sort of like post rehab um, quiet chat a la Luann where he like walks in the door yes. and it's like a weird energy, but like also fascinating television. Um, I, I don't know, but I would like to know your thoughts. Honestly, I'm going to volley that back to you. I, um, am with you on all of that. And I was just going to say, I would prefer, and I felt this way about Erica before the last reunion, because mm. so much of that reunion became about like Erica and, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously they should have talked about Erica at the reunion, but I wanted like an Erica watch what happens live special where Andy could just ask all the questions to Erica that like fans want to know the answer to. Um, and then discuss, you know, so we can hear her answers, but then I do think those answers need to be discussed in the context of the group because of how sh- her answering some of these questions created conflicts amongst the group. I kind of feel the same way about Jen Shaw, but I don't know that I would have her on the reunion, but I we at least need her to answer some questions about like, why were you saying you're so innocent when you were really guilty? Do you really think you're guilty? You know, like I kind of think I want an Andy sit down special with Jen Shaw and then a Jen Shaw-less Salt Lake City reunion. Which to me also, is like I just a, wanted yeah. to point out that I believe the Salt Lake City panel is on Peacock if you if people want to watch it. So I looked after I saw the announcement because I know they put full panels on yeah. Peacock, but I only saw clips from Salt Lake City. I didn't oh, see the full thing, but it could be the full thing. It could be. I don't. Guys, feel free to yeah, run on over to Peacock. Either. It's worth the watch. Yeah, I looked and I, I only saw clips, but I could have been looking at the wrong thing. I could have a hundred percent been looking at the wrong section. So guys, run your asses on over to Peacock and see what's up. If the whole thing is there or clips, they're worth your time. But with I get what you're saying, and it sounds like it's giving a little bit more of like an Erica chat a la Brooks Ayers doing a one-on-one with Andy and watch what happens where it's like different kind of questioning and different circumstance certainly than the Luann uh, one-on-one at her um, Sag Harbor house or wherever the fuck it is. But I think that there's a difference here and even having the conversation in front of the cast on Beverly Hills versus on... Uh, Salt Lake and bear with me on this and this could be completely wrong and as always please tell me to go fuck myself but on Beverly Hills to me there was a level of comp there is a level of complication in how the cast responded to the news breaking and how several of the cast members most especially Lisa Rinna have tried to shut down reveals around Erica's true feelings so when Andy is having a conversation with Erica I think it's very important that the cast is there because I think that there's a level of culpability even just in how they stand their friend in the Fox Force that should force these women to have to answer for their behavior, especially as concerning their protection of Erica, which 
was different. It's like there's a different level of like I'm supporting my friend, which I understand, versus Rinna literally saying, you're saying stuff that's going to make you look bad, a.k.a. me look bad. So I need to get you out of the scene that Rinna, I think, needs to answer for versus on Salt Lake where I don't see that happening as much. I see these women like trying to talk about law and not understanding how law works. And I also obviously see Heather uh, upset about the way that the trip went and wanting to support her friend, which is an important conversation for us to have, for Heather to have certainly. But like the energy energy to me is different uh, on Salt Lake versus Beverly Hills, which is which is key, I think, here in having Erica amongst the cast answering questions versus on Salt Lake City. But I don't know if that makes any sense. I see what you're saying, but I I find it to be similar in that, like, Mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is like, okay, Lisa Rinna was trying to get her to not look bad on screen and et cetera, et cetera. And they need to answer for that. Like, I get that. But I would also say that like Heather Gay and them being like, Jen Shaw is totally innocent. And totally. they have all rallied around her in such a way that, and I, I think that that is kind of the biggest difference is that with Erica, you have like Sutton and Garcelle and some, and even Dorit, like kind of asking mm-hmm. questions of what's going on and Erica responding really badly to those questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. a reunion setting is the appropriate place to bring those up and for her to be like, yeah, son, I treated you like shit or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think that on Salt Lake, we haven't seen that because they were all basically like, oh, Jen's innocent, which I think that they also maybe need to, maybe not answer for, but I would be curious about how they feel now in the wake of what has happened and rewatching the season and like Heather being so concerned about Jen enjoying this trip. And would she have been as mean to Whitney if she knew then what she knew now? Does that make sense? It does. I also think there's a part of me when Heather is having that conversation, which I, again, I totally understand what she's saying, but I also wonder like, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theorist in me. I don't know why I'm like even thinking of that term in this context, but there's a part of me that's like, I wonder, has anyone considered the reason that the focus isn't on Jen is because they know subconsciously that this, the protection of her is being, has been by Jen framed around the idea of like a conspiracy from the Manhattan Southern District yeah. conspiring to like defraud her by selling her name. And maybe for these women subconsciously or not, they know that that's not accurate as to what's taking place. And that's yeah. why more of them aren't more protective of, of trying to, you know, give her a couple day outlet, noting that regardless of how they feel about her culpability or guilt, surely she's facing a significant risk in going to trial. And we yes. now know is likely facing significant time in camp. And um, so the reality of that, I don't want to take away from regardless of how they feel about what she has possibly done well it was point. really interesting listening to meredith marks who is a lawyer like mm. explaining to them in the last episode and being like stewart's gonna testify against her everybody mm-hmm. has 
gone so far. There's nobody bigger for them to get. Like, she has nothing to bargain with. Like, Meredith knows what's going to happen. Like, if mm-hmm. she goes to trial or not, she knows Jen's going away. What surprises me is that then Meredith, who had been, like, Jen's biggest right. enemy, is now, like, on Jen's side, knowing, more, I think, more than anybody what's going to happen. Because I think, you know... As much as I love them, the rest of the crew may might not be the brightest, but I think that uh, Heather and Lisa and Whitney are like, oh, well, maybe she will be innocent. And Meredith's like, oh, no, she's not. This is not working out for her. So I, I think that'll be an interesting shift to watch Meredith be like, oh, I know you're going away, but also I'm still your friend. I don't know. Well, it is, I think, a conversation that I look forward to potentially Andy having with Meredith either at the reunion or prior, which is the idea of her reaction and understanding of things um, under the veil of I don't want to be considered complicit in this last season versus now where she's very focused on support and protection and and her you know work as a lawyer and her background is incredibly helpful in the translation of all of this but we're still not getting the point where we understand the ways that like Lisa is a terrible friend to you but you're also incredibly focused on being a supportive friend to Jen there's like a little bit of a discrepancy there in talking about a person's poor character and intention that hasn't come up yet, maybe because it's too soon, that I hope does at the reunion, because I think it's interesting, at least. And I mean, all Lisa Barlow did was suck some dick for Gordita Crunch. I mean, who Shut among us? Up. How who among us is not? dare you? Lisa, we're talking me love you so much. Are you a barho? How, um, how are you not? You're a person. You're a person I, in this world. Um, I appreciate Lisa Barlow's contributions Great. to the reality television arts and sciences. Um, somebody on Twitter once said that she's the puppet master, but she's too dumb to have ducked behind the stage. And I think that's the perfect way to describe Lisa Barlow is like, she's trying to orchestrate all these things, but she's not very good at it. So you can totally see through it. And I kind of love that about her, but there is something like oddly lovable about Lisa. I love her so much. I love her so much. She, it's like the people, she's like right there with Ramona Singer, like people who's, (gasps) Who oh. I appreciate their contributions, but oh. would never want to sit next to at dinner. Wow, boy, do I disagree with that comparison <laughs> in every possible way. Are you kidding? I would fucking love to take shots of Vita tequila with Lisa Barlow versus Ramona telling me how unattractive I am for an hour and a half under the guise of like, I'm helping you. I'm a helper. I no, mean, I don't want, I don't want any I, part of that. I don't not, want any part I, of that. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying that they're both people. Whereas like, you look <laughs> at like terrible. a Crystal Cum like and it's like, oh, I would have dinner with Crystal Cum Minkoff. Like she seems like a good time or Heather Gay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be anywhere near dinner with Lisa Barolo. Wow. You are Singer. so wrong on this. You are, I, the way that you, continuing to conflate you should compare drinks with Ramona to like drinks with Kelly Dodd not drinks with Lisa Barlow our queen um I had drinks you live in London I thought you supported the monarchy (laughs) just kidding I had drinks with (laughs) Kelly Dodd and it was real fun I'm just gonna say I want to murder you this is a funeral Um, taking place yeah but no I I like Lisa Barlow I that's the thing is 
going into the season, I genuinely liked everyone minus Jen Shaw for mm. even before like season one, I didn't like Jen Shaw. Mm -hmm. I, there was something about her that just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but yeah. And so I went into the season really liking everyone, but Whitney is really, I'm having a hard time staying on the Whitney train this season. I totally get that. I also want to say, I, I am going to say for the very first time on Andy's Girls, welcome to a Bravo uh, vehicle to be continued on my thoughts on this because there's somebody who I'm not vibing with on Salt Lake, which I'm not going to say out loud. I'm not going to say it on social. I'm not going to say it during this podcast episode. I'm going to say to be continued and AG's just pocket this moment. I'm not going to say, I've refused to say it out loud and I have not, maybe I've like hinted at it on an Instagram story. I'm just saying, watch this space to be continued, dot, dot, dot. Whitney's not the one I'm thinking. Of. How are you going to tell me? And is it going to be? I'll after tell you right after. This? I'll tell you right after. I'll tell okay. you right after. <laughs> You're the only one I that I would have I need to know. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, so speaking of vibing, I have a question for you. And Yeah, tell me. Is, as we wrap, as we wrap, tell me. As tell we me. wrap, what do we think of the new cast of New York? <sighs> I think um, as everyone has reacted, I think there's a lot of shock and interest about Jenna Lyons. Um, someone else stated this on social media and apologies. I wasn't um, smart enough to communicate it in this way, but I 100% agree. Like, uh, I don't know if it's a matter of intelligence, but um, I wouldn't have disliked if they had built a cast around Jenna that felt more of her generation. I don't really want to see a 31 year old real housewife which I think is like one of their ages um but that's just me I think it's just because I'm so attached to the vibe and generation of housewives even when they began um filming on New yeah. York noting there was a discrepancy between Bethany's age and I think everybody else's I just I don't know that early 30s is the the energy that I want for a New York cast well Ashley was what like 25 26 when she started Ashley was Potomac. in her yeah but Ashley Darby is a superstar I don't yeah, know yeah. that these people are going to be superstars but I I would love to be entertained and thrilled um I think I was just like oh this is uh this is a cast and um I just for me personally the stories that I like to hear most on Housewives noting that Ashley Darby is an exception to every role because she is so phenomenal and fantastic and is excellence personified. We didn't even talk about Ashley and Michael, so you're going to need to come back ASAP. <laughs> um, but I, I just like, there's something about, you know, Giselle and Karen yelling at each other about a no, cookie bake. Like I, I well, just, and I think one of the great things you can say about housewives for better or for worse, it's one of the few places on television where you can see women in their forties and fifties interacting with each other. You know, and it's like, yes, these we're centered on their stories and not necessarily about age as a as a negative uh, aspect of a yes. person's identity. And so I'm with you on the young one. The one I really don't like is that <laughs> yeah, Lizzie Savetsky, who just moved to New York in like August. Like, I'm sorry, you can't be a real housewife in New York. Like you're still we can still smell the Houston on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, I did say something similar to that on social and somebody responded back almost immediately and was like, well, she lived here for a while before she moved. I don't know. The, my, my vibe with that is if you were almost cast as a Dallas Real Housewife and now you're almost immediately being cast as a New York Housewife, 
I'm not loving that because <laughs> no. we were going to be convinced that you were no. of Dallas and now we're going to be convinced that you're of New York City. And like, I want someone who maybe doesn't have this experience because they're too fucking wealthy to have had this shit kicked out of them fairly recently, having been a New York City resident. You know what I'm saying? Like, even the wealthiest amongst us can't entirely protect themselves from the rest of us who live here. Yes. And I think that's kind of helpful. No, and helpful I think that what makes these shows great is organic connections between the women. And it's like, if you yes. just moved here in August, there's no way you have that. And it seems like from what little I can tell from my trolling that a lot of them are in the like fashion PR model like mm -hmm. space. And so it Influencer. seems likely to me that even if they don't know each other, they've been each in each other's orbits. And that to me makes um for good casting but i'm excited i mean we haven't seen a reboot no. before so i'm excited just to see how this plays out just like i was when they got rid of half the cast after season four and kind of redid it you know i think it'll be an exciting new chapter whether or not it'll work who can say but girl they better be paying jenna lyons a lot of money because without her this whole thing doesn't have any yeah. legitimacy like they needed her to, just like they needed Sara Almandani to be the one uh, on Dubai. Yeah, and so cash that check. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I think that you know the Miami reboot coming back after nine years or however long it was. I think it was a prestige reimagining of Miami that also included original members of the cast. Yeah, and so while I have a lot of hope, I guess I think. You know, there is if I'm being completely honest, when I when I when the cast walked out, I was like, oh, OK, got it. And I wasn't expecting that so many of the rumors and speculation about so and so being cast. I wasn't expecting that to, like, come true. So I think a part of that was like me shock about like, oh, wait, names that we've heard for months are actually in the cast. I didn't think that that I thought that was like a little bit of. Not Who else had, real stuff? had been rumored to be in the cast? I forget. I don't remember anybody. Same. I just I remember Lizzie was a part of it and there was somebody else. But I I really have not done any research. I am not that person. When new people get brought onto existing franchises, I don't typically do deep no. dives. I really only care about like the trailer when it comes out, maybe any whispers that we've heard about stuff happening, but then really when we're watching stuff on TV, it's just, there yeah. are other spaces and other people who are very, very good at that. And it's just not my, it's not my cup of tea. Well, and I'm always with you, like Jenna Lyons is great and all, but if she's not going to show up and give us good television, then screw, like, I don't care who you are. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I also think like it could be fantastic and I don't work in casting and I work in like shooting off my mouth. So like <laughs> I the hope the hope and Same. expectation is that like I am completely wrong for having any kind of like hesitation about this and that they kill it. We all want good TV. This isn't like yes. a uh, oh, God. You know, I hope that they're bad so that I can be right. I I want to be like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And it very well might be great and everybody in the cast might be necessary and even if they're not we're getting new york back or we're getting a new uh envisioning of new york and now that we have the new york cast they can tell us who's on legacy since we've already decided in our minds so, um i that. just hate the people who are already like it's going to be a disaster it's going to be horrible blah blah we blah. don't know and, we've been well, wrong so many times before and i like to bring thing. out my favorite sarah galley quote which is i don't believe in god but i have faith in the real housewives like how many times have they delivered us great fucking yeah. television like yeah. 
just let them do it, girl. Like, yeah. they've been keeping this going and us entertained and talking about it for all these years. Like, I don't think that they're entirely going to miss the mark. Um, not to full circle this and reference our favorite bathroom using queen, but when they brought back Larsa Pippen for the Miami reboot, reboot, I thought, what the fuck are they doing? She was a terrible housewife the first time. And you know what? I fucking loved her in the reboot and I can't wait to see what she does next. Um, so there we go. Take pictures in the bathroom line. I probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Brian Moylan, you know, I love you. You know, I love your recaps. You know, I love your newsletter, which is iconic and a must subscribe, especially because you're recapping and talking about the Beverly Hills reunion in the newsletter. So yes. guys, if you haven't signed up, which Brian will tell us how to do, um, you must Brian, tell the people where they can follow you online, what you got cooking, what you're writing, what's happening. Tell, mention um, it all. I am Brian J. Moylan on all social media platforms. Um, I mustache rise on Grinder, and the <laughs> the BravoCon Grinder was popping. I mean, really, the quality was iffy, but the quantity was impressive. I will That's say. That's all I care about. So Honestly. I was, and there were a bunch of queens where their headline was BravoCon. And I was like, hey, bitch, yes. I'll say hi when I see you. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can sign up for a newsletter at vulture.com slash housewives. It's called the Housewives Institute Bulletin. It comes out every two weeks and it comes out this Friday. Um, and yes, we will be, I will be recapping all three parts of the Beverly Hills reunion. Some, some of which what I said today will probably be recycled for that. So, um, Ooh, get ready. I love that. <laughs> um, Listen, yeah. unlike Lisa Rinna, we recycle here at we recycle. I mean, hello, bitch. I can only think up so many good jokes. I mean, I gotta use them as many times as I can. Also, can I just say how grateful I am to connect with you on AG and IRL at any moment, at any time, how much I love you, how obsessed with you I am, the fact that I remain a super fan, and also the fact that the last several times that you've come on Andy's Girls, they have been Beverly Hills deep dives. And it's like, you can listen to those episodes, guys. I'm not telling you not to. You definitely should. But what I loved about this chat is that we gave the focus and the attention to franchises that to me are bringing so much interesting conversation and light. And I cannot more highly encourage that people subscribe to the newsletter so you can hear Brian's voice, which I always, always love to hear and read. And also, if you're not watching Potomac, there aren't many seasons to catch up on. You should start from the beginning. It won't take you as much time as other shows. I highly encourage that people watch, especially because I want to make sure that they get the time that they deserve on AG, which is why I'm so, and Salt Lake City, of course, which is why I'm so thankful for the way this conversation went. Um, Same. And I mean, I honestly, Lisa Rinna was just saying, oh, the cast needs a break. Like, I think we need a break from Beverly Hills. Like, it's been like, a lot and with all the jen shaw stuff like i'm ready mm -hmm. to get back to potomac to get back to miami nice and light you know what i mean just cute and cunty that's what i want <laughs> i don't want crimes i don't want widows and orphans i don't want bots and shit that's not on camera i just want karen and giselle being cunty to each other 
I love it. And I cannot believe that we literally didn't talk about Ashley and Michael. And we're not going to do it right now. Episode is done. I'm going to have you back ASAP and we will discuss because there were some scenes and some conversations that made me have a lot of thoughts. Speaking of thinking, guys, join in the AG Patreon. Number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to Zoom Kiki's and so much more. There is an hour and a half long breakdown of all things BravoCon on the AG Patreon now. And I'm also doing a Satchel Spectacular later this week. Satchels of Gold are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Clore and Ben Simone from Scary Island about your reactions to all things Housewives and more. So slide into my DMs at Dame Galley on Instagram and let me know your thoughts and feels. And also just want to say it's a real shitty week and time to be a Jewish content creator online. I actually cannot believe I didn't cancel this recording so that I can continue a rage spiral I was having on IG stories right before we press play. So I just want to shout out all of my fellow Hebrews out there. And, um, you know, AG has focused so much of its attention on um, issues of social action and impact that mean something to me. There are entire episodes and a lot on social media because I think that using my voice is important, um, especially for matters that do not directly involve me. I think we are all responsible at a certain point for using our voices and having a positive impact. And I have been alarmed and angry and upset and mad at the way that I have seen um, a a lot of people stay quiet and question the um, reaction of Jews asking why their voices aren't being supported and amplified. As I have been alarmed and frustrated about the fact that while there has been so much upsetting and triggering conversation placing the blame for the idea of white supremacy at the feet of Jews, which I have been directly accused of inspiring to lead on Instagram, I have been horrified about the fact that corporate response, which has been delayed by many companies, only seem to happen as a direct result, according to their press statements, of Kanye West's anti-Semitism and not his long-standing, frequent, and consistent anti-Black bigotry. What I'm watching now on social media is people fighting with each other, marginalized communities of which there is also crossover, acting in a way that is understandably rife with pain, but in doing so, seemingly denying the other person's reality, including having this delayed corporate response being something that the Jews who are being targeted are responsible for. Using that as a justification for not speaking out about anti-Semitism. This is really complicated, really nuanced, and really fucked. And I have received anti-Jewish bigotry, anti-Semitic messaging. Um, one person commented on a post that I thought was uh, unnecessary to put up, who told me that I couldn't name two Jews on the planet who have stood for social action outside of their own. Imagine how that was received by me. All this to say, a lot of people are understandably upset. It should not be a matter 
of choosing one marginalized community to support over another. I say this to my fellow Jews, that if we are only using our voices to talk about anti-Semitism and not talking about Kanye's frequent and horrifying anti-Black bigotry and racism, there is a problem there. We need to be talking about all marginalized communities. And I would ask that anyone listening right now who has not used their voice or has chosen to use their voice for some issues but not others to really consider the fact that the only way for us to get to the other side of this is to acknowledge the pain that our friends are facing. To me, one of the worst and horrifying things that you can say to someone is that their pain doesn't matter. I think that is an awful, awful idea. And I also find myself enormously frustrated by the ways that friends of mine um, are engaging in conversation, but doing so by relying on anti-Semitic tropes and ideals uh, and ideas, I mean, unfortunately, ideals of Jews as a monolith and as a group of people acting as one. It is incredibly problematic and helps to create a conversation that unfortunately leads to criticisms of the Jewish people in a way that is incredibly problematic and dangerous. I wrote more about this on my Instagram. I have like a large fucking statement about about all of a lot of my thoughts and feelings that I really, really encourage you to go and read. And guess what, guys? Spoiler alert, Kanye West has more Twitter followers than there are Jews in the world. There are an estimated 14.8-ish million Jews. He has 30 million followers. Imagine how far his reach has gone and imagine what it feels like to see so many people agree with him or perhaps disagree with him using language very similar to what he has publicly said. But I just want to shout out anybody on social media who might be Jewish or might not and is feeling very targeted and uh, increasingly marginalized and say that um, as a Jewish person, I have been uh, overwhelmed with anger and rage. Um, But and that is just my experience, one of many. But I also just want to say that regardless of who you are, what you believe and how you identify, that I hope you are not feeling as alone as I have been and know that that feeling of loneliness and isolation is fleeting and momentary and there are always spaces hopefully that you can find where you feel like maybe that's putting that rage aside for an hour or maybe it's just appreciating spaces where we still feel like a community regardless of what is going on so um fuck you Kanye West for everything that you have said uh before this latest week for a long fucking time And shout out to anyone who is continuing to use their voices. Regardless, I just want to say thank you if you have used your voice right now or previously, not just about issues in which I directly identify, which is incredibly important. Consistency here with allyship is key. Um, But just wanted to say that because I felt like it would be irresponsible for me as someone who is fucking screaming into the void on social that I didn't also say so on a, a larger platform than that. So mazel tov to us for an excellent episode. 
Shalom to all of you, which means hello, goodbye, and peace. Shout out to my childhood rabbi, Leslie Gutterman in Rhode Island, who taught me to be politically and socially active. And guys, on that note, thank you for listening. We'll chat soon. All right, guys. Bye-bye.